Welcome to the e-learning and digital classroom podcast brought to you by iDigitalClassroom.com. Whether you are a learner, an instructor, or an online instruction designer, this is the podcast for you to get the latest in e-learning, digital classroom survival tips, remote technology, e-learning best practices, news, and interviews. This is Dr. Joy Alata. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. I'm happy to spend the next 15 minutes with you. This is episode two of the iDigital Classroom podcast. In this episode, I will discuss the responsibility of web users in a digital society. Though many of us work and interact with others through the web, a lot of people are yet to understand the change that has taken place in the world as a result of digital interaction. Living and working in a digital world does not make users to be equipped with the standard etiquette that governs the digital society. Competency with the use of technology is essential, but it's also essential to understand how to behave in a digital society. As we appreciate and use all opportunities of a digital society, we must remember that every right has a responsibility. That responsibility includes the need to use technology responsibly, to behave appropriately and act with integrity, while still respecting other people's values and spaces. It is essential to understand that there are limits to what technology can do for users. Users of technology need to understand that technology is aimed at supporting the society in a positive way. And that means that there are guidelines that must be followed so that technology works to benefit society. All around the web, there are stories of misuse of technology, cyberbullying, unauthorized publication of photographs. Have you ever experienced any form of cyber abuse? If so, I encourage you to share with our community. Have the organization that you worked for experienced abuse of the use of technology? How was the issue managed and what's your opinion about handling of the problem? Our community will appreciate if you share the experience with us. All you need to do is visit us on www.idigitalclassroom.com and click on episode 2. Then post your comment. Mike Ribo and Gerard Bailey describe the nine elements of digital citizenship in their book titled Digital Citizenship in Schools. In that book, the authors described digital citizenship as the norms of appropriate, responsible behavior concerning technology use. The authors went on to outline those nine elements as digital access, digital commerce, digital communication, digital literacy, digital etiquette, digital law, digital rights and responsibilities, digital health and wellness, and digital security. While those nine elements are essential, they may not be a one-size-fits-all. Considering that the digital society is still evolving, I'm assuming that those nine elements are not yet conclusive. But they are a good source 
and a good starting point. It's important to understand what those nine elements mean. And those authors did a good job trying to describe it in a very basic way for everyone to be able to understand it. This is where every member of the digital society is required to assume the responsibility of protecting the society to make technology work in a positive way for the society. Understanding how to become a responsible member of the digital society is a responsibility for all web users. Do you have ideas on how to make technology work for the society in a positive way? If so, share it with us at www.idigitalclassroom.com. The explosive use of the internet and social media has created enormous opportunities for users to express themselves in unprecedented ways. Though all the innovative ideas of sharing content are exciting, there are associated risks in terms of privacy and abuse. As a parent, do you encourage your kids to be security conscious as they share content that poses privacy risks in social media and other online media platforms? Do you encourage your kids to discuss issues of cyberbullying with you? Are you aware of ways to handle issues in cyberbullying? Sometimes we create our cyber risks because we are not sure of what constitutes cyber risks. More devices are accessing the internet at an unprecedented rate. The explosion of internet data is causing a challenge in describing what constitutes the abuse of privacy in a digital world. Even state governments seem to be overwhelmed with the speed of internet access and internet usage, and that makes it a little bit daunting for them to provide regulation for cyber challenges. Though the informed consent is in use in most online websites, I'm wondering if the people that give the consent understand what they are consenting to. Advances in technology have made it easy to implement privacy policy and to encrypt certain online activities, such as online banking. As technology for encryption is improving, cyber criminals are also improving their skills. When you access online sites and you see the prompt to access cookies on the site, do you read what the cookies do with the data that is collected as you use the website? What do you do when you encounter a cookie policy on your website? Please share your experience of accepting cookies on websites with us. Adults are still struggling to become good digital citizens. Is it safe to assume that children may have more challenges to cope with as digital citizens than adults? Can you identify the type of digital content that poses the potential risk for privacy intrusions that you have shared? How do you provide oversights to protect children while using the internet? Can you identify the type of digital content that poses potential risk for privacy intrusion that you have shared? Now is the time for 
parents and academic providers to take proactive measures to protect children and other users from digital exploitation. Many people share all aspects of their lives on online platforms and social media. All online sharing has the potential to expose people to cyber risks. If you are working or learning online, you're probably using a platform that enables you to communicate with others in real time or near real time. Each platform has its own different policies that users must know. I understand that it can be challenging to read policy statements on websites, but it is your responsibility to understand what is required of you as you use the platform. The impact of not knowing what is expected is that you may engage in an action that may result in your being banned from using the platform. Have you been banned from an e-learning or video conferencing platform? What was your reaction and how did you handle the issue? I want to read your comments, please. The current surge in e-learning is exposing kids and minors to spend a lot of time using the internet. Spending time on using the internet is likely to lead them to viewing many targeted advertisements. There have been many situations in the past where parents are accusing advertisers of targeting children. Now that more children spend more time watching targeted advertisements, what is your opinion about having a conversation with your children about why they should not click on advertisement links? Are you aware of the potential threats of exposing sensitive financial information to online stores? I believe that we owe ourselves and other web users the responsibility to understand the implication of online purchases. Online activities are riddled with some elements of risk. Whether you work, learn or shop online, there is some element of risk and you need to understand the inherent risks to enable you to protect yourself and other members of the digital society. How can learners protect their identity? If you have never thought about identity protection, now is the time to think about it because the web is full of sharks. Online advertisements can be very persuasive. Users must have the emotional strength to control the impulse to click. The click could be to share content or to make a purchase. Identity protection is key to survival in the digital society. Online users must make it a priority to ensure that their identity is protected on any site they visit. One of the easiest ways to protect your identity is to regularly clear browsing history in your browser. Do not give your social security number or your payment details to anyone. Have you ever felt like you are under pressure to respond to an offer? If so, please share with us how you manage the situation. I know that there are many others that will want to learn from that situation. In a digital society, there are many online communities where users are required to register and create a password. The type of password you create and use 
may make it easier for hackers to penetrate your online account. It is crucial to use complicated passwords. When I discuss passwords, I do get questions such as, how do I make my password to be complicated? Or what does it take to make a password to become strong or weak? Password is a vital aspect of maintaining online protection. A complex or strong password can help online users to protect personal information. Strong passwords protect users from potential threats of dictionary attacks or brute force attacks. It is not a difficult task to create a strong password. It is also easy for people to use simple and memorable passwords. But I can assure you that it is not ideal to use those simple and memorable passwords. My favorite password generator is the Norton Password Generator. Norton Password Generator enables users to create secure passwords and it is free to use. The health of your computing equipment may enable cyber intrusion. It is essential to protect your computing equipment by having a firewall and um, also antivirus softwares on your system. An antivirus software needs to be kept updated. It may help if you turn up automated updates. Operating system providers are continually updating the software to keep them abreast of security challenges. Users are expected to install those updates as they are made available. Another area of concern when it comes to online protection is to be careful with what you download. I can hear children wondering if I mean that all free games are unsafe. No, all free games are not unsafe. But yes, I mean free games, free movies and all content from unknown and unsecured sources may be potentially unsafe. Protect yourself by reading the small prints. I have heard many people tell me that they never turn off their computers after using it. It is not safe to keep your computer switched on when you are not using it. Apart from degrading and reducing the lifespan of your computing equipment, turning off your computer when it's not in use can help to keep off spyware and botnets. In this episode, I discuss the responsibility of web users to protect themselves and other members of the society. Thank you for listening. I'm delighted that you listened to this episode. If you need more information about what I discussed today or have something to share with our community, please go to www.idigitalclassroom.com and leave your comment on the episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We depend on your feedback for improvement. Do you work or learn online? Does your career path require that you communicate and extract data from the web? Do you wonder how to improve web page designs, including web page layout and interactivity? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I recommend that you consider learning web development. Dr. Joy is giving away a free course on web development. Visit www.idigitalclassroom.com to claim your free offer.